Thanks for tuning in to the Velocity Podcast. We love to hear about life change in our church. So if you have a story about how God has used Velocity to make a difference in your life, send an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now sit back and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, Velocity Church. How are you guys doing this morning? Glad to be in God's house. Man, I'm glad to be with you. And I got to commend all of you for making it to church bright and early with an hour less of sleep. You are the real Christian. So give yourself a pat on the back for that. Hey, before I get into the message, I just want to briefly highlight our visionary night coming up next week. And uh, I really want to invite everybody to this. Visioneering, of course, is for those who feel called to accelerate the vision and mission of our church through generous giving. But it's really open to anybody uh, who wants to be a part of that. And I like just on this, it says something. It says visioneering means being invested in. But it's really not just being invested in our home, our city, and our world. It means being invested in. Uh, We want to invest in people who are part of this team. And that's why... Uh, we have a special guest, and I would just ask you to register for that. Come. We're having a dinner. We've got a good account, but I would love for you to be a part. I'm going to be giving some really cool updates on our projects, what we're doing uh, in our city, in our world, and what's happening in our home, and I know you'll want to hear about it, so come to that. You'll love it, but I do want to tell you it's great to be with you this morning. I want to welcome all of our guests, especially those of you joining us for the first time. I recognize there's so many places you could be and things that you could be doing, but because you decided to be here, I believe you're going to be blessed. God is going to speak to you because of it. Now, we're in week three of a series called Learning to Listen, and what we're endeavoring to do in this series is understand the keys to tune our ear to God's voice better. If you missed any of the weeks, we started this series by I gave an introduction, an overview of really how we hear from God. And one of the takeaways I hope you had in this sermon was that it's really not a question of if God is going to speak to you. The question is if you will respond to him. And we talked about how God speaks and how God is speaking, and sometimes we just don't recognize it. And then last week, we had a great message from our campus pastors on uh, the importance of God's word, how we need to know God's word. It's hard to recognize God's voice if you don't know his word because he speaks to us through his word. And if you don't know what God has already spoken and how he speaks, it's going to be hard to hear what he wants to speak to you that's new. And he's never going to speak anything to you that's going to contradict what he's already said. But today I want to give you some practical handles to understand what it looks like when God speaks, and what it looks like when we respond. And to do that, I want to go back to 1 Samuel, and we're going to visit the guy that we were introduced to in week one, Samuel, who is now a prophet. Now, when we first met Samuel, he was just a boy, 11, 12, 13 years old, had never even heard God's voice before. Now, when we're joining in with him, he's over 80 years old. He's nearing retirement in his time as a prophet. He's walked with God a long time. He knows God's voice well. And what we're going to see in this conversation is going to be real helpful, I think, in the way that God speaks to you. Now, I want to read 12 verses, which is a lot of text up front. 
but then I'm going to break it out and give some context as we get into the sermon. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16 is where we're going to get started. And if you didn't bring your Bible, we'll put the words on the screen so we can all follow along together. Uh, I will tell you this, I always encourage you to bring a Bible with you because it's so good to know that I'm not just making stuff up and throwing it up there, but that you can see it for yourself. And you might want to write it down and you can read this on your own and read the story in context. And if you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to download the YouVersion app. I honestly read the Bible most the time on my iPad or on my phone. And there's plans on there you can engage with. And I also want to encourage you to take notes. Most people here take notes at our church, so if you're new, you take notes. Nobody's going to know that you're new. You'll fit right in. And, um, but let's get into Scripture, see what God would say. 1 Samuel chapter 16, starting verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons, to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. So Samuel did what the Lord said, and when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? It's kind of like if the boss or CEO shows up at your work, you're like, is everything okay? Did I do something wrong? See, Samuel was a big deal. He comes on the scene. They thought they were going to get some kind of correction or something was the matter. But he says, no, I've, I've, I've come in peace. I've just come to sacrifice. We're going to throw a party. Why don't you come with me and sacrifice with me? Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Well, then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons Passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? No, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. And Samuel said, Send for him, will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him, had him brought in. He was glowing with health, had fine appearance and handsome features, looked a lot like your pastor. And then <laughs> the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. It's kind of a strange scripture. It's a long scripture, but within this text, I think God wants to speak to you about the ways that he speaks to you, and I believe it's going to help you understand and learn his voice so much. So I would just ask, before I get into God's word, I always like to pray and ask for his help. I know I need God's help, and I have a hunch maybe you do too. So would you bow your head with me, and let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that every time we open up your word, you speak to us. And I ask that you would do it again, God. Use me. Let your words go forth. Not my ideas, not my opinions, but the things that you once said. God, only you can take one message and make it personal and applicable to each person here. That's exactly what you do. And I ask that you would do it again, God. 
I thank you for it. And everybody who agrees with that can say in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, how many of you have ever second-guessed a decision? Have you ever second-guessed a decision? I'm not talking about your spouse, okay? It's too late for that. You're stuck with them. So you're like, I'm not so sure. There's actually people who were disappointed. They thought learning to listen was a marriage series. They brought their husband, and they were really disappointed the first week. Um, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I was second-guessing a decision. Could be a job you took. Could be a uh, business deal that you entered into. Uh, maybe it's a, a big purchase, a home purchase. Could be something you said. Ever second-guess something you've said? Um, one time I told Marissa, hey, babe, you just need to embrace your mistakes. And, um, yeah, then she hugged me after that. And uh, that was not very nice, by the way. <laughs> Second guess that one. Um, <laughs> it's a funny story with Marissa, though. I actually uh, took her to, I wanted to surprise her, get her a gift. I took her uh, to buy a purse. She's really into purses. And uh, please pray for me make our checkbook a lot better if she could be less interested in that. But I, I wanted to do something nice for her. I took her to get this purse, and this one particular purse, like she'd been eyeing these for, for, for forever, you know, like years, like just looking the different kinds, different makes, different shapes, types, colors, and like just, you know, salivating over the day when she might get one. And um, well, I, she had had it narrowed down, like if this ever happens, if I ever get one of these, this is the kind that I want. Well, we had been on this trip, and they had one of these stores there, and I was like, I'm, I'm an amazing husband, so I'm going to do this for her. And uh, you guys, I don't know if you believe that or not, but um, by faith, it's true, in Jesus' name. So I, I wanted to surprise her. So before we left to come back, uh, I, I took her to the store to get one of these purses. And for having two years of research narrowed down to the kind and type she wanted she was second-guessing her decision. She was questioning her confidence in, in that moment. It wasn't so confident. And to the point, it took her so long to decide on the kind of purse, we missed our flight. I am not making this up. This is a true story. We missed our flight. We got to the airport. She said, this is a stupid purse. We got into a fight over it. She was really second-guessing that decision then. But I noticed she didn't take the purse back. She still has no problem carrying it around. <laughs> Must not have been too much. Um, when I say second-guessing the decision, I'm not talking about regret, okay? That's, that's different. I'm saying, like, you make a decision, you're confident, but as you get into it, you're starting to wonder, did I really make the right decision? I'm not sure. And in a lot of ways, that's what it's like hearing God's voice. You get an instruction, you act on it, but as you do it, I'm not so sure. And that's why I wanted to read this passage to you, because I can't think of a better text that illustrates what it's like to listen to and respond to the voice of God in your life. Now, it's a little strange that I would choose an Old Testament passage to talk about what's really a New Testament truth. Because you understand, as Christians, we're living in the New Testament. I know the Bible's divided into Old Testament and New, but the New Testament, really what that means is it's the new promise. It's the new covenant. In the Old Testament, people responded to God differently than the way we respond to God 
in the New Testament. Old Testament, somebody wanted to approach God, they'd have to make sacrifices. They'd have to be completely cleansed and all this ritual cleansing. New Testament, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we can boldly come before the throne of grace anytime we need to. Now, another difference in the Old Testament, New Testament, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would only rest on certain people. Typically, he would rest on the prophets. That's how the prophets would hear from God. That's how the prophets would speak on behalf of God. The Holy Spirit would come upon them and they would, they would prophesy. Not just the prophets, but usually the prophets. In the New Testament, though, it's different. In the New Testament, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus said, you know, sometimes we think like, man, it'd just be awesome if Jesus was here now. But Jesus said, it's actually better that I go, go away because if I go away, I can send you the Holy Spirit. And if you're a believer, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, then the Holy Spirit dwells within you. He dwells within every believer. The reason that's an advantage is because the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you about your spiritual formation. He wants to help you grow. He wants to talk to you and help you develop. And the reason I gotta clarify that is because I think there's a lot of us that are confused about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life and, and how he speaks in our life. Like, I mean, have you ever just met those people that are like, hyper-spiritual Christians, I, don't point at them, okay? I, but you know what I'm talking about. And, and the, the people that always wanna let you know how often they talk to God. Now, I'm not talking about people who really talk to God. I love people who talk to God. But I'm talking about the people that really wanna let you know how often they talk to God. And the answer is all the time. And they also wanna let you know how often God talks back to them. And the answer is all the time. And the way they talk it makes it sound like their life is just this crazy Holy Spirit candy land where every day is like gumdrops and so amazing. There's an interpretation behind it. Do you know what I'm talking about? See, you got to understand, like my context, uh, you know, I went to a Christian college for studying ministry and the Bible and, and all of that. And like, I know there's crazy people in all kinds of colleges, but when you're going to a college for ministry and studying the Bible, you get like crazy Christian ministry studying the Bible people. I remember this one guy, uh, he was like, yeah, I woke up today and the Holy Spirit told me to put on a red tie because red symbolizes the blood of Jesus and somebody needed to be reminded of Jesus' sacrifice today. And I'm like, dude, like I woke up and I put on a white shirt because it was clean and ironed and that's what I did. You know, and like people are just weird sometimes and it's not like the Holy Spirit's weird or Christians were just people are weird. There's weird people anywhere you go. And I remember like, I was like, yeah, I was gonna order the salmon, but then the Holy Spirit told me not to because it came with deviled eggs and I wasn't supposed to do anything that glorified Satan. Well, first of all, who serves deviled eggs with salmon? That's strange. And second, I don't think God cares about the food that you eat, except maybe the calories. That's why you're supposed to pray over it, to cancel out the calories. That's, that's what I do, but... I'm just saying, like, understand, I have no doubt that God says some very strange things to people, says things that are seemingly strange. And I have no doubt that many people have a very close 
special relationship with God where they have tuned their ear to hear God's voice and they are sensitive even to his whisper. I don't doubt any of that. I don't even blame people for talking that way to tell you the truth because a lot of well-meaning Christians, even pastors, probably even me, have said, well, God told me. And the point is, the problem with that is it paints this, it paints this picture that the only people that God talks to are the super spiritual people. And God only cares about the seemingly trivial, small things in your life. Now, understand, I don't think there is anything too small for you to go to God about. I think if it matters to you, it matters to God. And if it seems small or insignificant, it's something that God cares about. I'm just trying to tell you, I don't think the role of the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life is so God can tell us what to do about every little detail. It's not that I think that God doesn't say strange things or won't even speak to you about small things. I just think that really God doesn't care so much what color socks you wear or what you had to order lunch as much as he wants to talk to you to help you grow, as much as he wants to talk to you so you can have a relationship with him. See, the purpose of conversation is to grow in your relationship. I mean, I'm close to my wife, but even she doesn't pick out my clothes every day. Even she doesn't order for me at a restaurant. Not that she won't give me her opinion if I ask, but that's not the role of her in my life. No, our role is to grow close, to get to know one another, to mature and to grow. And a lot of us, we have this mindset like the purpose of hearing from God is to get wisdom about the details that I don't know. But can I tell you that if you want to know God's will for your life, there is a way to know God's will. God has a very specific plan that he wants you to know his will. And his plan is for you to mature. That's how you are supposed to know God's will. Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the world, but be changed from the inside out by having your thinking changed, having your mind renewed. When that happens, then you'll know what God's will is. So get this. God's plan for you to know his will is that you would grow and mature and use the mind he gave you to make decisions that are in line with the way that he thinks. Not that you would just pray to him for every single decision. I mean, think about it like with my kids. If they grow and they're 30 years old and they're still calling me about every little decision, what they should have for breakfast and what they should do. Like I am failing as a parent. God wants you to grow. He wants you to mature. The point of conversation is growth in the relationship. Now understand what I'm not saying. God, uh, God leads. He guides. He wants to be involved. He wants to give you instruction. He wants you to ask for wisdom. He wants you to consult. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to be involved in our life. I'm just saying we settle for way too little. God wants to speak to you and he wants to help you grow and he wants you to know him. The paradox of Christian maturity is one of increased dependence while at the same time increased independence. And that's what I want to show you because when God speaks to you, when he gives you an instruction, often 
God will tell you enough to get started, but not enough to get settled. He'll, he'll tell you enough to get started, but not enough to get settled. See, a lot of us have this idea that hearing from God means it's going to spell out every detail. But in my experience, God doesn't spell out every detail. He always speaks, but he doesn't always specify. He always gives direction, but the direction's not always definitive. And you see this at the very beginning of this chapter in verse 1. Notice what God says to Samuel. How long will you mourn for Saul, since I've rejected him as king of Israel? Fill your horn with oil. Be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Now, a little context on this passage. Saul was the first king Israel ever had. It wasn't the king that God wanted. It was the king that Israel wanted. Saul was this guy. He looked good, right? He was tall. He literally stood head and shoulders above everybody, six-pack abs. Saul had it going on. He was like the Zac Efron of kings, all right? You look at him, think it's going to be amazing, but everything he does is disappointing. Just, <laughs> he was like a show on the CW. You think it's going to be good, but you're left feeling let down. That was Saul. Should I keep going? Saul was like <laughs> this, this guy who... You thought it was going to be amazing, but it just didn't happen that way. He was good for a stretch, good at the start, but not for the season. And he hardened his heart. He grew impatient. He stopped doing the things God wanted and started doing the things God didn't want. And so God has this conversation with Samuel. He says, I'm done with this joker. I'm, I'm done with him. Now, that's the context that God spoke, but I want you to see how God spoke. Verse one, fill your horn with oil, be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. That's specific. Fill your horn with oil, be on your way. Go to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons. Like, that is specific. But he didn't spell out every detail. He didn't say who. And that's because when God speaks to you, he wants you to be confident, not arrogant. He, he wants you to have trust in him. But if he spells out every detail, you don't need faith for that. And God's never going to speak to you in such a way that it doesn't require faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he'll give you instruction He'll give you confidence, but he doesn't want you to get conceited thinking you know exactly how this is going to play out. And look at the extent of this conversation, because in the next verse, Samuel says, well, how can I go? If I do this, Saul hears about it, he's going to kill me. In other words, you've got to understand that this is not an easy conversation for Samuel. This is not all butterflies and gumdrops. This is not easy to receive. Samuel's a little bit freaking out. God's saying something, and he's challenging him. He's adjusting his attitude, and he's ignoring his apprehensions about the situation. I wonder, has God ever done that with you? When God speaks to you, does he almost seem to pass over some of the things that seem to matter to speak to you about what matters to him? Because you've got to understand, like, the, the context of this. 
was not Samuel seeking God's direction. Samuel wasn't like, okay, I've got this big decision coming up, and God, I'm not sure what to do, so God, show me. That's not the context. Samuel was mourning. Samuel was crying. Samuel was having a pity party because he liked Saul, but God said, I'm done with him. He knew that Saul had grieved God. He knew that Saul was disobedient. So Samuel's torn up about it, and God says, stop moping and start moving. God is speaking to Samuel, not because Samuel needs direction, but because Samuel needs correction. He's got the wrong focus, and God is speaking to him to amend his perspective. And I like Samuel because even though this was hard, even though this wasn't an easy, comfortable conversation, look at what Samuel does in verse four. It says, Samuel did what the Lord said. I'm gonna just stop this sermon right here. God spoke and Samuel did it. Wasn't easy, wasn't comfortable, didn't necessarily make him feel good, but when God spoke, he was obedient to the voice of God. And so he gets going, and we got to look at what he does next because he's got a job to do. And he shows up at Jesse's house and says, I'm here to anoint one of your sons. It says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, verse 6, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's a pretty well-known verse. We hear this quoted a lot. We might even say it ourselves. And, and the way we use this is really like, it's a Christian cliche. We use this as an excuse lots of times. When, when, when we um, you know, don't want to do something, it's almost like it's the thought that counts. It's like, eh, God knows my heart. You know, I, I wanted to come to church, but God knows my heart. I wanted to give, I didn't, but God knows my heart. I wanted to serve, I'm not, but God knows, like, God knows my heart. He's not concerned with all the things on the outside. God knows my heart. That's not what this is talking about. In the context of this passage, what it really means is don't confuse your version with God's vision. God doesn't see like you see. You think it's the one. God doesn't see it that way. God's perspective doesn't always align with our preference. Now, I know that seems obvious. I know it seems like I wouldn't have to spell that out to you, but can I tell you, you'll know that you've made God in your image, which is one of the things you're not supposed to do, 10 Commandments. You'll know you've made God in your image when he always agrees with you. And you see it because Samuel's thoughts were different than God's voice. This is what it says. Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely this is God's anointed. Very next verse, God spoke to Samuel and said, it's not the one. Now, I told you in the first week that when God speaks, he sounds familiar. It's gonna sound like a thought. It's gonna sound like your voice. And that's true. When you hear God, it's gonna sound like you. But understand, that Samuel's thoughts were different than God's voice. There was a distinction. 
he thought one thing, God spoke something else. And what I'm trying to point out to you is that God is not only going to tell you the stuff that you want to hear. I would challenge you, if you're only hearing God say the things that you want him to say, you might not really be hearing from God. Because God doesn't just tell you the stuff that sounds good. Look in this passage. Samuel was crying. God says, knock it off, get moving. Samuel says, but if I do this, Saul's going to kill me. God doesn't even care about this. He's like, whatever, just grab a heifer and go make a sacrifice. Samuel walks in, sees Eliab and thinks, surely this is the one. But it stands in contrast to what God thought was right. And I bring that up because most of the time I hear people talk about hearing from God, it's about all the stuff that they want to be true. It's about all the stuff that they want God to endorse. Now, I'm not saying that God won't do that or give you direction or affirm decisions, but if I can be real honest with you, I'm just speaking from my own life, the times I hear God's voice the clearest are not when I'm asking him for direction. The times when I hear God's voice the clearest is when he's giving me correction. It's about the stuff I don't want to do. Hey, you need to forgive that person. Uh, excuse me? Yeah, you need to forgive them. And um, in case it wasn't clear, you need to be the one to apologize. Uh, God, it was their fault. You, you don't get this. Yeah, I'm not done. You need to pray for them too because you got like this attitude problem about it. Are you freaking kidding me, God? Right? Like this is what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, I'm not done. Go ahead and uh, send them a gift card and bless them because you've really got some problems with this. That's how God talks to me. Not when I'm like, God, should I do this? It's the stuff that I'm not doing. And God says, uh, I need to talk to you about this. This little thing here, you got an attitude problem. You need to adjust this here. You're going to miss it. God brings correction, not because he's condemning, but because he's caring. He sees me getting off course. He wants to bring, bring me back on track. I'm trying to tell you, don't confuse your version with God's vision. Here's why i got to spell this out. Because I have heard well-meaning Christians, even preachers, say, if you want to know how to hear God's voice, you want to be led by the Spirit of God, here's what you do. Make a list of pros and cons. You make your pros list and you make your cons list and you'll see what God's, okay, that's great. I'm not saying that's a bad practice. I'm not saying don't do that. Here's what I am saying. If Samuel would have made a list of what looked good, Samuel would have missed what God liked. Eliab looked good. Samuel thought it was Eliab. Eliab looked the part, but he lacked the proof. And can I tell you, just because you look good, just because you got drip, doesn't mean you have oil. You can have drip and not get the oil. And Samuel thought it was Eliab. He looked like a king, but he was not the one God had chosen. So don't confuse your version with God's vision. Because God doesn't see things from your perspective. And this is where the story gets really crazy. Because <laughs> it wasn't just Eliab that God passed on. God passed on all of his sons. Look, then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse had Shammah pass by. Now, I've got to tell you, if 
God's going to choose you. I'm going to think it's Shama. I mean, that just sounds like you're speaking in tongues. You know the Holy Spirit is on this one. Shama. But it wasn't him either. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen any of these. See, God leads with a no sometimes. Josh, will you get that for me? And God leads with a no. Now, what I'm telling you isn't that God shuts you down. What I'm telling you is God leads with a no. God wants to give you instruction. And the reason this is important is because lots of times the way most people try to hear from God, it's like this. They, they, they get on this bike and don't go anywhere with it, but get on it. <laughs> just see if you can balance on that thing. Just try it. They're like, God, show me where to go. And they're just standing still. Just show me where to, just come on. Just, just do it, Josh. Just stay, just stay on there. No, don't, don't move. Just got to stand still, man. But see, it's hard. It's hard to get direction when you're standing still, but when you're moving, when you're moving, God can give you direction. When you're moving, God can say, hey, not that way, take a left. Go to choice. That's why I made him get on it. No, 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 not that way. Take a right. God can direct you when you're moving. Give him a round of applause. That's awesome. God will direct you when you're moving, but what happens, a lot of people think, oh, God told me no. I miss God. No, you didn't miss God. God directs you by taking a step, and you take a step, and God says, no, not that way, this way. Okay, you take a step, no, not that way, this way. That's what happened in this passage. God is directing Samuel with a no. So don't get discouraged if God tells you no sometimes. That's just part of God's guidance process. That's part of how God leads. But I really want to show you what happens next, because Samuel goes through all of this. This guy who hears God's voice, this guy who speaks on behalf of God. And in verse 11, something strange happens. Samuel asks Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Now, the reason this jumped out at me is because we think that hearing from God is going to eliminate confusion in our life. But can I tell you, if Samuel, whose job was to speak on behalf of, his job is to hear God's voice, represent God to the people. For 70 years, he's been doing this. He's walked with God a long time. He knows God's voice. He heard God clearly. He was obedient to the instruction. He acted on it. If Samuel can do all this and still have a question, what makes you think you're not going to hear God step out and wonder, did I get this right? Here's what I want to tell you. Don't let your asking keep you from acting. Just because you have a question doesn't mean you can't have confidence. You can move with a maybe. If you stop because you have questions, it's like being on that bike. 
It is hard to stay steady, standing still. Scripture says that if anybody needs wisdom, let them ask of God, who gives to everybody liberally. But let them ask in faith, not, not, not confused about it, not wondering if God's going to speak to him, because a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. And you're thinking, well, which way should I go? Should I go this way or should I go this way? I don't know. I want some direction, God. Don't let your asking keep you from acting. You might have some questions, but if Samuel, the prophet, walked with God for 70 years, knew God's voice, heard God's voice, acted on God's voice, if he still had a question, but he could have confidence, then you can have confidence in questions. I guess what I'm trying to tell you is don't let someone make you feel like you've got to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've heard from God before you take a step. Because in my life, it just hasn't worked that way. Honestly, when I hear from God, it's like I'm 51% sure. Like, I'm pretty sure, but not 100% sure. In fact, the way I started this church, I know God called me to start this church. And yet, if you were in on that conversation 10 years or so ago when we first started talking about this dream in our heart, I said, babe, I just, I can't shake it. Just, I feel like God is calling us to do this. I don't know, like I can't explain it. I just, I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. She's like, oh, well, that's, that's clearly God. Go for, no, she didn't say that. She's like, well, are you sure? It's like, well, I know this. I was like, if we step out and we fail, we're young enough, we'll be all right, we can recover. Aren't you glad your pastor has so much faith like that? I think it's God. I think it's God. I wonder what you've stopped on because you have some questions and you're missing out on some of the greatest things that God wants to do in your life. Here's the thing. Samuel asked the question. Just as like, well, we actually have one more. He's... He's out in the field. I didn't even think he was important. Didn't even think he was worth bringing in. Not even gonna mention his name. That's how unimportant he is. That was the one that God chose. God anointed him. Doesn't even say his name in the story. But that boy was David. David became the greatest king of Israel. It was all because Samuel didn't stop just because he had a question. And if you stop, you might miss some of the greatest things that God wants to do in your life. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching at Velocity. For more great messages just like these, remember to subscribe. That way you won't miss anything. 
If today's message impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can do that by going to findvelocity.org give and partnering with us financially. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope this message inspired you, built your faith, and helped you see how God is moving in your life.